Welcome to Magic Vibes, the podcast by me, your host, Kelsey J. Patel, a weekly healing podcast show with tools and techniques from me and my tribe of wellness experts to bring you a sense of peace, belonging, and honest connection to life and your powerful magic. I cannot wait to share the Magic Vibes with you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Magic Vibes podcast. I am so excited about this week's episode. I have picked four different people that are friends of mine, people in my community that I love and adore that are having their own very, very unique experience of this current COVID-19 journey, this what sometimes feels like a marathon that we're on. And I wanted to kick off the episode. And just to give a background, the reason I wanted to do this episode this week is because every one of us as a human who's creating and doing and giving in the world is having a unique experience. And I wanted to offer different perspectives because when we go through journeys like this, it can sometimes be too easy to get caught up in your own bubble, the bubble of what you choose to watch on the news, the bubble of what you choose to see. And not because any of us are bad or wrong, but it's truly just what we're exposed to. And so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And it was really just something I wanted to share with the idea and intention to just show how there are different perspectives from different people and hopefully to make us all a little more aware, a little more conscious, and even a little more supportive to our fellow human beings. So to kick off this episode, there could not be a better person in my perspective to open us up, open the doors of what is really happening. My dear friend, Dr. Evan, his wife is Lisa Hyam, who has been on the podcast very recently, also known um, on Instagram at The Well Necessities. Evan, thank you, my friend, for joining us on your one on your day off from the hospital. My pleasure. Great to be here. Always great talking with you and uh, always happy to, to get on with your audience. It's great. So can you tell us what is, first of all, tell everybody just who you are and what your work is in the world and what has, what has, what have you seen as a doctor in a hospital? Like what's going on? So I'm an interventional cardiology fellow at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. And my practice is based completely at a hospital. So I'm seeing a very different perspective from people in an outpatient setting. And I work in a cath lab. So we take care of patients with heart problems. And typically, this is due to blockages in arteries. And what we're seeing now in the era of corona and COVID um, it's a completely different manifestation of disease. And we've been very busy, but with a different um, type of disease process as a result. There's a number of different ways people are presenting with this that, that it's impacting the heart as well. And what is like just in the overall hospital setting, right? One of the things that I, and I'm sure, by the way, guys, I am missing hundreds of other people's perspectives on COVID-19. I'm aware of that. I wanted to just gather people that I feel are having a perspective that we could all turn our ears over to and hear. And Evan, as a doctor, 
what is the difference that you've seen? What's the biggest impact that you've seen in the hospital setting since the start of all of this? Or maybe it wasn't even in the start, but what you've seen now compared to, let's say, six months ago when you were in this position? Oh, yeah. Well, you bring up such a good point about different perspectives. And it's everyone is dealing with this together. This is not something that's just a doctor thing. This isn't doctor, you know, we're when patients come in with a heart attack, we play such a prominent role. This is this is very different. This is the whole hospital coming together, not just doctors, not just nurses, but respiratory therapists, the the food service workers, the transporters, because you know what? They every single person who steps foot in the hospital is exposing themselves to that risk themselves. And it's an enormous burden of risk and stress and everything. And it's been incredible watching um, people from from many different roles step up. And it's something, you know, we signed up for this as physicians that you sign up to take care of people, but it's incredible seeing the different people, the people who deal with the maintenance to make sure that the, the lights work in a patient room. You know, they're there side by side, shoulder to shoulder with us with you know, with protective equipment. And, you know, it certainly is a scary time in the beginning um, when there's so much we didn't know. But but it's been incredible watching everyone step up and do all they can to, to help get us through this. And what's the general, I mean, you know this because you know me well, what's the energy walking into a hospital? Like, let's, what, when all of this started, even today, you know this, because I had to start our call a few minutes late. I went to the grocery store and I was like, oh, dude, I need a few more minutes because I got to do the like scrub down post grocery store. But I noticed even today when I went to the market, this is the very beginning of May when we're recording this, I didn't feel as anxious or as stressed as I did, let's say four weeks ago when I was on high alert and I could feel my central nervous system just like in sort of like uh, fight, flight, freeze mode, right? How has it shifted as you've seen it in the hospital setting with yourself and all of your all the fellow people that you're talking about? Yeah, it's a great point because humans are incredible. We adapt to things and, and it's different. This this was completely changing of, of every everyday norms um, and routines completely changed. And after a few weeks, you start to break into the cycle and get more comfortable within it and it becomes part of your routine. Um, as you mentioned, nothing's nothing's quick anymore. You you can't just pop out of bed and be uh, rushing in late to work. Just once I arrive at the hospital, getting out of my car, it's a five minute process of putting on a mask, putting on gloves, putting something on my head covering, and nothing. Um, you know, everything has to be very intentional, and you have to be very aware. Things that I used to just take with me. I used to bring a bag in with some snacks and, and different stuff to work, but you want to limit everything that comes into the hospital setting. My cell phone covers um, off and I put my cell phone in a Ziploc bag. So it, it, it's a lot of steps that seem ridiculous at first, but now it's just second nature, part of the process. And it went also from the first few days of this, it was very scary going into work. You really didn't know what sort of exposures you were getting. We didn't know so much on, on how to prevent transmission to healthcare workers. And, and even just there was limited knowledge on how to offer patients the best care. And it's incredible just this collective sharing of knowledge over the past couple of months. There's still a tremendous way to go in, in learning how to manage this disease. But 
But we know a lot more today than we did back in January, and we're starting to take some significant steps in the right direction. Wow, Evan, it's just incredible. So what is just like the, I know we talk about hand washing and all these different things, but like, what is the best way that all of us as human beings can support people like you that are on the front lines that are doing all of this work day in and day out, you know, without really getting any type of a reprieve or a break right now? What can we do to support you? Yeah, well, it's people, people are doing it the as difficult as it is staying home, and it's tremendously isolating and and financially difficult. Every single person, depending on their situation, is is sacrificing in different ways. But people staying home, tremendous impact. It's helped slow the um, spread of this, which has allowed the hospitals to be able to get caught up. And the, again, there's tremendous geographic variation. It's different in New York City as it is in a uh, rural area of Montana. But New York became dangerously close to to hospitals being completely over capacity and it really endangered the healthcare system. And fortunately that that peak has come and the hospitals were able to accommodate all patients. There weren't patients they were turning away. So everyone staying home, isolating social distancing practices, that helped definitely slow this. I can't even imagine what it would have been like if, if everything continued as normal. But eventually, we're going to have to get back out and get back into society. I think that's a good thing. Um, the key is the choosing the right time. And uh, that's certainly out of my hands. But when, whenever that timing comes, important, there's going to be adjusting to a new normal. So face yeah. masks, you know, face masks are definitely going to be part of the new normal, not necessarily all the time, but I certainly think in public transport situations, airplanes, it's, it's going to be a little more similar to what's been the normal in, in many parts of Asia previously. And do you think that's just until we receive a vaccine for this? Or do you think it's like we all just need to have operate with this sort of level of precaution because we've never experienced in our lifetime a pandemic or an outbreak of this magnitude? Yeah, I really don't know. Um, I think there's certain things we're going to take away from this that'll be permanent changes. Um, I I hope most of them are are temporary. Um, It'll be nice to to be with people again (laughs) (laughs) at some point. And I I hope to be able to go out to a restaurant again. Um, and, And I'm confident we will get there. But things such as hand washing and the, the reduction in touching your face that people don't even realize how until this happened, how often you turn a doorknob in a public place and then and then touch your face somehow. So things I think that'll be a permanent change, the introduction of hand washing and awareness of touching surfaces and, and yourself, things like that. People may always be more aware. Um, I I think at some point we'll get back to social gatherings and it's obviously going to become harder in the summer. And after a few months of this, everyone's anxious to to get back. But depending on where you are, in some places, it may be safe to start in a staged approach to return. But in in other places, we're certainly not there yet. And fortunately, things like your podcast and Zoom, the, the whole world has adapted to this and created so many different ways for people to stay sane um, from the comfort of their home. Absolutely. So my other two questions are, 
I've heard this from friends of mine that are nurses that are no longer actively nurses in the hospital setting. What is this, the code that nurses and doctors sign up for? Because I've watched some of my friends and even friends of friends who have parents who are doctors or whatever it may be that are, it's almost like this, this choice that is, is not even had amongst people in the medical community where there is this this sense of service. And it's something I've never really seen before. Like I've been a public servant. I've worked on Capitol Hill, but what is the code that you sign up for as a doctor or a nurse or anyone sort of who, who is in the medical field? Because it is so profound, the sense of, um, I don't want to say obligation because that sounds taxing, but the sense of commitment that you all seem to have. Yeah, it, it's hard to explain. It, it, it's more than just a calling. It, it's something that feels innate. You know, when this first happened, I, I'm from New York. I have family that are healthcare workers in New York and, and all my friends up there. So it, it hit New York before it came to D.C. And I, I was well aware of, of the burden of it and, and how it was affecting everyone. And, you know, you start to go through this thing of, you know, it, it's scary. You don't know what to expect. But as it started to hit our hospital and, and you start talking to people, it, it's like anything else. Once when you have that, you may not want to face the, this bigger picture of this pandemic that it seems so overwhelming. Um, when you think of this pandemic that 20% of healthcare workers in, in, in cities in Italy are, are being critically affected by this themselves. And it seems overwhelming, but when you break it down to just the individual and you have a patient in front of you, you know, I remember the first patient that came in through our cath lab and it was seeming very overwhelming. But once you get talking to the patient in front of you, it's just you taking care of an individual again, and it becomes very easy and very rewarding to do this. Um, so I, I think like anything, it, it, it's always good to keep the big picture in mind, but it's also good to to narrow in and just focus on, on the task in front of you. And it's always a lot easier to overcome it that way. That's incredible, Evan. And my last question, and thank you so much for joining me on a Saturday, you angel, to, <laughs> to do this podcast, to share your words and your and just your experience right now. My last question is, what is it when you get home from work from a day, what is it that you do or how do you feel when you're done with the day or how do you refill your cup at the end of the day mentally spiritually physically emotionally when you get home right now yeah for for us uh, my wife as you know lisa loves cooking and for us a lot of it centers around food um it's always a little difficult to eat during the day at the hospital um in normal times it's become exceedingly difficult. I think healthcare workers all over um, understand this. Not only are you not eating, you're almost not even drinking water at all during the day just because the, the whole task of, of gowning and mask coverings and everything, it, it's so burdensome. It makes it very difficult. So um, something that, that I look forward to at the end of every day is, is getting home and we have a, a great home-cooked meal by, by my wife it really is a, is a central part of us. And it's, it's more than just the eating, but we have, it's a whole experience. And for us, it's a time where we wind down and discuss what's going on for the day. But aside from that, exercise is always great. And, and just mindfulness, important to take a few minutes of 
quiet time and turn off the TV, the news can be, um, it's a lot to take in. And I encourage people, don't sit in front of the TV or keep watching news all day. Um, it, it's good. You definitely need a break from that. Amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. Evan, you are absolutely supported. You are absolutely incredible. And just thank you so much for all the service you are giving to all of the people that come across your desk, your day. Um, They're very lucky. All right, guys, my next guest is one of my dearest friends, Tal Rabinowitz. She is the owner of the Den Meditation Studio, the place that I years ago asked her if I could start teaching a Reiki healing circle. And it was the first in the Den. And she has been a friend, a supporter, a her own incredible healer and a mother to all of us who have the privilege of sitting and holding space and teaching at the Den. Tall, welcome to the podcast. So excited to be here. Thank you. Of course, you are not only are you one of my favorite humans, we have regular dinners, um, not not currently, but we have <laughs> regular meals together. And but beyond that, your your fierceness in creating something simply because you saw a need for it is incredible. I mean, you really I want people to just briefly hear how the den came to be. It is one of the most beautiful sacred spaces I have ever walked into. And I'm so honored. And I know all of the teachers at the Den feel this way, the feeling that we have walking in there. You give us all our own sovereignty to teach in a way that we feel is authentic to us, to be able to help the community. And you really let people rise. You know, you let people be seen as the teacher that they are rather than the student that they see themselves as. So can you tell me how and tell the audience how you create, how did the den come to be? Well, it's funny. I mean, off of that, the den's purpose was always, you know, for people to just get to know themselves better and become the best versions of themselves. So I wouldn't expect it to be any different for the teachers. You know, it's like I could never expect teachers to be anything but themselves because I think through those lessons, that is how people who are seeking the guidance and how to trust themselves and trust the truth within themselves are going to learn the best. So I, I appreciate you feeling that because I think that's so important. And and that's and the den really did come because when I started learning how to meditate and I was in a bigger corporate job, but that's a longer story. I was. By the way, tell people what your former job was. <laughs> not something to sweep under a rug. <laughs> well, I was running um, comedy programming um, and development at. NBC. And so it was a big job. So I was stressed and I was going through a divorce and I learned how to meditate. And I remember with that kind of busy schedule, I was really struggling to create it as part of my routine. So I was like, okay, well, no, no worries. I'll just go take a class. I'm better if I have to show up somewhere. Like I'm better if I'm forced to sit down and do something. I need accountability. And I kept looking online for somewhere to go and it just didn't exist. And it really confused me because at that point you could pretty much go do anything. I mean, it was like yogi boot, like yoga booty ballet. I mean, really anything, Pilates, boxing, <laughs> and there was no meditation. And the few places I knew that you could meditate in were longer. I mean, they existed of course, but it was like two and a half hours. Like you would go and it was usually a certain lineage. So you were either going to a Buddhist temple or a Buddhist program or, you know, Kundalini, which I love. Um, it was just, it was just longer. And so that's kind of when the idea started really being refined for me of not only should there be a place 
people can go. It needs to be accessible and it needs to feel open to everyone, no matter what their beliefs are. They need to know they're not subscribing to a belief system when they come in here, except for subscribing to the belief system of themselves. Oh, tall. Literally, that is everything that the den like emits from itself. It just has its own frequency and it's so it's so profoundly accepting. And that is very hard. As someone who's had owned a brick and mortar, that is a very hard thing to achieve, especially when you have all of the different elements of so many different types of people from the people at the desk to the people who clean the space to the people who teach at the space, from, you know, from the people who walk in to be new students. Like, and you don't just have one, there's two dens. Yes, there's one in Studio City and one in Mid City on La Brea. So my question is, because this podcast is all about just giving and creating and sharing perspectives of what this journey has been like for so many people. So I want to ask both because you're one of my dearest friends personally and professionally, what has been the biggest challenge for you as the owner of the den and a teacher, right? So you're teaching Kundalini classes as well for the community. What has been the biggest challenge in these last several weeks in the last couple months? I I feel like I can answer that question on different levels because it depends. I think as an owner, it's the balance. It's that balance of, you know, keeping a business alive, which right now is really difficult. I mean, you should be so thrilled you do not have a brick and mortar anymore. Um, So anybody who has any type of brick or mortar is, is really struggling. I mean, and there's chances, I'm sure I can speak for anyone, that they may not be able to come back. And so it's it's that it's that struggle, but also trying to maintain the service, which I think is so important right now, um, especially people really need it. And so I think, and that's always kind of the balance, I think, when you're going into a business that is trying to provide something of spirituality of my, in my sense, of holding the integrity of what you want to provide and also still keeping the business um, financially viable. It's always a balance and a struggle, but clearly when you're hit with this, um, it becomes even harder. Like, so for instance, if I had gazillions of dollars, I would just be opening my services for free as we moved online and I would just have everybody in. But it's that balance of you know supporting these beautiful teachers that are coming in and trying to do the best we can, even having to make some cuts here and there and pay cuts and scheduling cuts. I mean, we've definitely had to narrow down. And again, as a human who's also an owner, that's difficult because my human side hates it. Like Again, I wish I could pay people triple what they made right during this time so everyone felt safe and confident. You know what I mean? I wish I could offer services for free, but unfortunately, there is still a business that if it's going to succeed or even exist, when it gets back, you just have to try and make some changes. So um, that's been the challenge, I think, is feeling the pressure. And and look, the, the business pressure, I feel the pressure more because I think it's a service. That needs to exist. As far mm-hmm. as personal and as far as ego, I can I can heal that. Like I can get over that. If it doesn't succeed, that's the part I know will be okay ultimately because I can do the work on that. The part of feeling like it needs to truly exist because I know it's helping people, that's the part that's hard. And the part as a human of wanting to be there for your teachers and the people who you employ is also hard because you want to make sure you can continue providing for them as well. Have you had to let people go, Tom? Um, well, we, our front desk, we, you know, we can't, yeah, we did. Our front desk isn't being paid for the moment. Um, and we definitely had to tighten our schedule and tighten pay. So even though we didn't let the teachers go, it, everything shrunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's just, you know, we're paying, we're paying 
to rents that aren't being used, <laughs> that are not cheap because it's Los Angeles. And a lot of other, as you know, you've been in the business before, a lot of other bills that people don't realize exist that come um, with it. And those are still you know, in existence. So it's, it's tricky. Um, but look, I try and always go back to the center of the purpose of what we're doing. And I feel like once we kind of made the transition online, we've already started creating a platform called denanywhere.com, which we had launched previous to this or prior to this. Yeah, which as you know, you did your challenge on it. We have 21-day challenges. We have certifications on there, some workshops. And the goal was always to do our classes live. And we had been setting up. I mean, that was kind of the joke. We were wiring our, our studio and we were setting up to do our classes live on there. So this has been an interesting push and change of kind of just really getting that platform up and running faster and seeing what happens with it. And, you know, because we and we switched really quickly. We got everyone to do virtual classes, but we've had to switch the schedule a little bit. So that's been amazing. So the great part is connecting with our community in a different way. I have found what's fascinating is even without seeing each other or touching each other or saying hello in person, in some ways the community almost feels tighter. And deeper. And I find that such a fascinating concept, knowing that, you know, especially with our classes, you're not even seeing people. People have the privacy. They can go in and and do whatever they want. Their dog can be barking while they're doing meditation and it doesn't affect the class, but you still feel very connected. And I, I love that. So that's been a beautiful opening. And also being able to reach people who don't live in Los Angeles, who I know have either visited or have heard of us or really want. Because I, what you were saying, I do think we offer something slightly different than other studios do, kind of with just the authenticity of every person who walks in the door, whether they work there or whether they're visiting or a student. So It's so true, you guys. If you... And so... And how can, you know, because one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast episode is also to help, you know, there are a lot of people out there that want to support, that want to help, but they just don't know how, right? So when I talked to my friend, um, Dr. Evan, it was stay home, right? And when in talking to you, like, how can we as a community support you, support the work that you're doing? Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. I mean, well, first and foremost, our subscriptions are $29.99, unlimited classes, and we have over 200 a month. So it's a lot. You get access to a lot and you can take the classes live. And we also have an archive now. So all the classes are there. So even if you live across the world, if the time doesn't work for you, you can take the class later. It's there. So I mean, honestly, join the community would be huge, but also just check out the site because I mean, do your do your challenge. Go do Kelsey's challenge. It's 21 amazing days of incredible meditations. You know, if you're in the mood to get you know certified for anything, we have certifications on there. So I would love for people to just get involved in the community. It would be amazing. Or you know, we also have a podcast, Den Talks podcast, which Kelsey has been on. Her episode's incredible um, twice, and you were on the Healer episode as well. So yeah, any way to just become part of this community would be amazing. You guys go check it. Out. Everything will be in the show notes, but I can't tell you enough. I mean, I hope, I think you guys know by now, having listened to this podcast, that I really do um, believe in the people and in the programs and in the offerings that the people who come onto this podcast create and are giving to the world. And Tall is one of them. I can't actually believe that I haven't had you on the podcast yet because you're one of my closest friends and confidants. But Tall and the Den and the teachers there, some of them are my dearest friends in this community. They are authentic. They are real. They are going to help you in whatever capacity you need and really trust your intuition. When you see 
the website, it has the same energy frequency as the studio itself. Like it will call you in and you will know what it is that is going to be on that website to support you. Thank you so much, Tal. I love you, my friend. I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, guys, my next guests are two of our closest friends, Brett and Lucy Thompson. They have traveled with us to South America for my husband's big 50th birthday. We send love and celebration throughout all of life's journeys together. And they are the proud owners of Pez Cantina in downtown Los Angeles. And I wanted them to come onto the podcast today because as you guys can imagine, restaurant owners are some of the most incredibly impacted with this current journey and this isolation and the distancing that we're experiencing. So Brett and Lucy, first of all, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. Hi, Kelsey. Thanks for having us. Of course. So guys, this is kind of a very sobering experience. There was so much. I mean, I think of the Friday nights that we've spent at Pez Cantina, it actually could make me teary-eyed. The nights that we've spent with Christine and Christian and Alessandra and just having our margaritas and having all of your amazing salsas and chips and the music is going and there's so much life and joy in your restaurant because it's not corporate owned. It's not some big conglomerate that's opened up another chain of a restaurant experience. It's the two of you. It's your family. It's it's love, it's humility, it's it's the incredible strength and perseverance it takes to open the doors to your own restaurant. So I just want to know, like, how how are you guys? Ooh, good question. <laughs> I keep asking myself that every morning. Yeah. Well, thank goodness we we are healthy and uh, we have faith and we have each other and we have, we have our family and we have you and our friends. And we are like, just amazingly grateful for that. It's been like an incredible period of reflection and thinking about really what's important for us. And so many things that Lucy and I have talked about, think with both our personal life and with our business life, should we try this or this isn't working or all these like little scary ideas. And now to be honest with you, it's sort of like, oh my God, we're totally doing it. We're not even like, I mean, this is like a time where we're not going to, we just need to really um, take chances and really go with our gut right now. And uh, there's just like a, 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 a dark road in front of us. And I know that we have to just go down that road and the lights are going to turn on as we go. And we don't know necessarily what we're going to find, but we need to move forward. And that's, you know, kind of the way I'm living right now, personally, Lucy. And I mean, for me, it was, it all happened so drastically. It was when they were sitting at the restaurant and we're doing full service and the next day something major was announced and then, and the following day something even bigger and next thing you know we made the decision to just close the doors and really take that time to take it in because i feel like so much came out of so quickly that it was hard for the mind and the body and the heart and and everything to to process it and i feel for like almost like the first week 
I don't know if it was depression, but it just was really overwhelming. I mean, it was like every morning we, I would wake up and realize like, okay, we're not going to work. The kids are not going to school. What is going to happen? And then it was this moment of like, um, you know what? Nothing's going to happen right now. So let's just enjoy this time. Enjoy this moment with our kids. Um, let's go on those bike rides that we wanted to do. Let's, you know, take a jacuzzi dip, dips late at night with the kids and and just really, you know, spend some quality time together and cook together and eat together. And and then once we came out of that, then it was like, okay, we we miss our our Pez and our and our Pez family because that's really what it had become. Um you know, and I mentioned this to you earlier, Kelsey, after our Argentina trip, we really wanted to surround ourselves with employees that that we felt really good about working with and we felt really good about learning with. And, and we had developed that family right before we closed the doors. So I miss them. Like I miss them. Like I miss not seeing my mom and dad. So even just this, this last week, we went back, we cleaned the restaurant, we, you know, deep cleaned and we painted and we did all those projects that we wanted to do. And every worker that was there, every employee that was there, it was like seeing, you know, your brother or your cousin or your aunt. And it was just like really rewarding. And, and, and they, and you see the, the gratefulness in their eyes and, and the work that they're bringing and their energy that they're bringing. This just feels like it feels very um, gratifying on both ends. That's incredible. And just so everyone knows, if you guys are in LA, by the way, you have to please check out Pez Cantina in downtown LA for pickup. This episode will air afterwards, but I'm my husband and I are taking off Cinco de Mayo because we always spend it at Pez Cantina along with some of our other friends so we can go to the restaurant and get our get our takeout order and support and also celebrate with our friends and you guys reopening the restaurant. And I want to just ask for those that maybe don't understand the restaurant industry or maybe, you know, as many people do, and it's, again, it's not a bad thing, but just sort of take for granted what it takes to open up a restaurant as a husband and wife or as, as just a single entrepreneur. What have you guys had to do in terms of just letting go of people or how are you guys keeping, how are you guys even keeping the space open and available right now? I run and just echo what Lucy said. I mean, you know, I think that once it became apparent, like, you know, safer at home was put in place by the state and then the government, you know, started laying out all these different rules and regulations in terms of like moratorium on evictions for commercial and residential spaces and just more and more uh, security measures in terms of protecting small businesses, big businesses, tenants, definitely gave us a sense of security. Although, you know, you always know on the back end, okay, well, that that rent deferment of one, two, three months, whatever it's going to be, is definitely, you know, it's, it's going to have to be addressed at some point. So there's only so much you can just sort of like wait and see what happens. But We've surrounded ourselves, I think, first of all, with a lot of good people, a lot of smart people who, who know business, who we're constantly reading and communicating with everyone from realtors to attorneys to with our landlord, 
uh, with vendors, with our staff, with other people in the restaurant business and asking, what is everybody doing? What are you doing? Because there's got to be, in my opinion, I mean, a really, you know, an effort to kind of do this together and everyone being on the same page. And it definitely gives us a sense of like, it kind of minimizes the scariness a little bit. Although this is very, very scary when you, you know, when you think a year from now, what is the restaurant landscape going to look like? Right. It's going to be, I mean, we're, we're looking at a completely different world. I mean, when just, a, just a, like a little detail, like, you know, usually, you know, you guys come in and have chips and salsa and guacamole you sit apart from each other and you're sharing from the same basket and you're dipping in the same guacamole and you're dipping in the same salsa. Is that even going to happen anymore? Right. I didn't even think of that. You know, I mean, just it's, it's like the, the tiniest little de- details. I mean, do you wear a face mask? As you're talking at the at the table at the restaurant, but then in between courses, you take your face mask and you let it you let it hang off of your ear. I mean, it's like it's just, it's just like it's mind boggling how many questions there are. Um, yeah, we're opening up a bottle of wine for someone and placing it at their table, and all of those those are clearing plates. Or I mean, it's just so much to think about. I mean, just the other day, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, they all use the same touch screen to to clock in and out of work we need to wipe it down after every every time someone clocks in and it's like so many so many details to think about it's so true and you know the truth is none of us are going to know what it looks like until we're just in the moment of it right and adapting and and co-creating as you said together and you know if you guys had to say something and i know that it's this is a super unknown territory and you guys have put so much of your money and, and investments, not from like big companies, but from family and friends to make this restaurant happen. And if there was something that you guys feel has been the positive that you see for yourselves, for your, for your boys around you, what would that be? Like, what's, what have you seen as the silver lining so far in this journey, as scary and as unpredictable as it's been? Well, I think for one thing, it really has pushed us to be more creative. I mean, I said to Brett, it's almost like we need to start from scratch and it's a reboot for all of us. And we need to look at our space and we need to look at our menu and we need to look at our costs and we need to look at our staff and really get creative with it and 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 know that. We just have to, you know, we want to keep as many people employed as possible. We want to keep our business open, um, most definitely. So it's just about thinking outside the box because the way we were conducting business is completely out the window. We really have to start from scratch. And, and, and I see it as a positive. It's a reboot. I mean, there were so many things that didn't feel good and, and it's an opportunity to make things feel good or at least better. I love that. What about for you, Brett? Well, you mentioned kids and silver linings and stuff like that. So I want to just jump into that. I mean, there's, I got, I got to tell you there's in so many ways I've, I've enjoyed this the past, like, was it six weeks already or almost six weeks? Yeah. It, tremendously in so many ways. I don't want to lie about that. I mean, I mean, being able to be home with my kids, you know, definitely has its plus and minuses, but there's like so many beautiful things, whether it's like, you know, riding our bikes on these like endless, like bike journeys we go now throughout our neighborhood um, or being able to, you know, just sit around and talk about, you know, just kind of 
dig deep into like conversations that we never really get into and just go have a lot more time and playing baseball in the front yard. And really, you know, our dog is just tripping out because the, the guy's like, oh my God, like, you know, I've never had so much, this, you know, <laughs> so many walks, so many walks and he's getting, so much, he's getting so much love. And, you know, it's that, that, that part of it, I honestly, I'm going to miss, um, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I was, you know, just thinking earlier today to myself, like, you know, I want to change a lot of the way I'm doing things. I don't want to like, this is kind of like really woken me up to the fact like, you know, I mean, being in the restaurant business, I mean, I've worked holidays, weekends since I was 19 years old. That's just been part of the restaurant business. And and I never really mind it, but I, I kind of do mind it nowadays, you know, having two boys, a young, you know, a young teen and a, and a you know, a 10 year old. And so, I, you know, I don't know, am I going to work Saturdays as much nowadays? Are we going to kind of, you know, kind of re- recreate uh, our business model so that it is more efficient. You know, I don't know, but I, I know that there's just a lot of things that I've been enjoying right now that I don't want to give up. I think that in the long run, having the ability to adapt and having my wife, Lucy, who's an amazing business partner and amazing woman and an amazing mom. And, you know, she's just like as flexible and kind of go with the flow and just, you know, she's very easy to work with. And that really makes things amazing. And I couldn't ask for a more amazing partner. Yeah. I love that you guys, because I also think that's the message for all of us right now is how are you going to adapt and not just adapt? How are you going to align your life going forward? Right. Cause that's really what I see it as about is you almost were like following this model of how the restaurants do business because that's what restaurants do. And it's almost this radical awareness of choice, of how much choice you actually do have in how you spend your time and live your days. And I think every one of us gets um, caught up in the way that we quote unquote see that we should be showing up and doing things in the world. And I hope for everybody that exactly as Brett and Lucy have shared is just this idea of adapting, but also recreating what you want your life to look like and live like and feel like going forward, because it really is your choice. Yeah. Yeah, that, it, it is. And, uh, you know, I just want to like say, say that again, like, you know, I am definitely going to, you know, there's, there's just, our lives have been completely like, like turned upside down up in and around. I mean, it's, it's just, it's nuts. And I, I want to continue doing the things that I'm enjoying doing right now. And one of the things is just being able to spend more time with our family. And, and I think like, look, looking at our business, we're going to be moving to more of a individual. I want my own plate. I, a lot of to go business. I mean, if we were doing 80% of our business at the restaurant and 20% of our business was like catering and special events outside the restaurant, it's going to flip flop. It's going to be 80% to go, if not more, you know, obviously now it's going to be 100% to go, but until we, when we open up to the public. So I think we can really become more efficient. We can look at streamlining our business. I, I think there's going to be incredible opportunities for growth this year. I mean, I know that sounds maybe a little over-optimistic, but I don't want to think about shrinking. I, I, I want to think about expanding and not necessarily just like opening another location, but just, you know, expanding the way we do things. and. When we closed to the public on, on March the 14th, it was, you know, we started doing to-go business. We, we did that for five days and we started working on a, like a cocktail, 
uh, concept where we were doing, you know, it's called Pezcraft cocktail mixes and we were, and it really hit. And then we started selling it at a market near our house. And I'm like, hmm, this could be something really cool. So all these little like, almost these little, these little like ideas that come from almost, I don't want to say a place of desperation, but a place of like, oh my God, we got to really rethink the way we're doing things. I mean, drastically. And, you know, I'm, I'm confident that there's going to be some really beautiful things that are going to come out of this. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm just grateful that we have that frame of mind. And so much of that, I'll, I'll be really honest, you know, spending time with you, it really made an impact when we were, when we were in South America and just that motto of fearless 2020, I'm still living it, you know, big time. Oh, I love it so much. And yeah. you know, I think it's also an important reminder for all of us, surround yourself, especially right now, surround yourself with the people that make you feel like things are possible, that make you feel hopeful, that make you see new ways of looking at yourself and the world. Because that's really, I feel, what all of us are being asked to do is is to see differently, to act differently, to interact differently, to create differently. And there's nothing wrong with change. It's more just that our egos fear change, but there's really the most beautiful experiences and opportunities that come from change. Even if it's forced change, you still have a choice of how you, how you create from that change. Thank you guys so much for everything that you are and everything that you've done. And we are all supporting you. We are all sending you the best, best, best. And if you guys live in LA, get to Pez Cantina, get your takeout. They have what Brett and Lucy haven't shared is that they are incredible humans, but also chefs. They know Lucy knows good food and Brett knows how to make good food. So (laughs) it's a win-win and the food is incredible. My husband and I have eaten everywhere and traveled around the world. And Brett's food is some of our favorite food in the world. And you will not be disappointed with Pez Cantina. Thank you, Thank you so much. And, and to the listeners, like we would love to, to, to meet you and, and know that you are visiting us if you do visit us because of uh, listening to Kelsey and, you know, just to meet new friends. So, so thank you, Kelsey. All right, everybody. And my last and final guest on this episode, which I am so thrilled to introduce her, but also just I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do this whole episode. I have to say it's one of the episodes I'm the most proud of on the Magic Vibes podcast, simply because this is what this community and this experience and this journey that we're all on is all about. And again, I know that I am not sharing several, several hundreds, thousands of perspectives through this journey, but I wanted to just create a little bit of space for all of us to get a bird's eye view into the very human journey and experience we are all having together, both individually and collectively. So my last guest is someone I have known for years. She is an absolute light and love in this world. Michelle, I'm so happy you're on the podcast. (laughs) Michelle is a mother of four. She is the owner of three Pure Bar Studios, where she lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Her Pure Bar Studios are in Washington, D.C. We have known each other. This may be a fact you guys don't know, but I got into the wellness journey and entrepreneurship because I left a corporate job and started several Pure Bar 
Pure Bar franchises way back in the day in like 2007. And Michelle is one of the incredible women that I met along the journey. And I am so honored to have you on the podcast, Michelle. And I would just love you to introduce yourself or share anything that you feel that I did not cover in my introduction. Sure. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Kelsey, you were one of my very first mentors in Pure Bar and just took me under your wing. And you've always been just such a positive and joyful light. Um, even you know when years go by, like I just know that you're someone that like I can always reach out to and you've you just always been a great friend and I really appreciate that. So I'm happy to do this. I'm happy to be here. I have four kiddos, three girls and a little boy. They're seven and under and the three Pure Bar Studios. Um, and yeah, what else can I tell you? <laughs> I mean, so the reason I really wanted your perspective is because you have four kids under the age of seven. Is that right? Yes, yeah, seven and under. Seven, five, three, and one. And so what has this journey been like for you? Because I'm so curious from both, of course, the perspective of being a business owner of a fitness studio that people, boutique fitness studio, where people come into the studios to do their workout, right? So what that has been like, but also how are you staying sane with four children in the home? And I know you are the most loving, nurturing energy of probably anybody I've met. Like you just exude motherhood and love and nurturing in a way that is so divine and profound. But I like that still has to be so freaking hard. Well, so kind of you. I feel like I have so many friends that like, and I think this is this is something that everyone goes through is you don't see the whole picture. And so I have friends that are, you know, saying like, gosh, I don't know how you have four kids and three studios, but I couldn't do it all. We have help on all sides. So we have our managers, at the studios who I've always considered like my nannies, you know, like hiring a manager, <laughs> like finding a nanny for those children. And then we actually have an au pair who lives with us. And so like people see from one perspective that I am doing all these things, but it's not all by myself and that I couldn't do it all by myself. So I, I think just learning to lean on other people for support was a huge something that was huge for me, even just like when we opened Pure Bar, because our first studio we opened when Caitlin was eight weeks old. So we were going through the opening process while I had like my first child and a newborn and it was all kind of thrown together. But we were just able to push through that because I had to learn that I had to let other people do things for me on both sides. You know, my mother-in-law visited us a lot. Like I had to allow her to feed Caitlin with a bottle, even though I was really focused on breastfeeding. And I had to allow people I just hired to do things at the studio that, you know, when I ultimately pictured, you know, opening a studio and having a child, I pictured being able to have time to do those things separately and dive in fully. And that didn't happen. So it was sort of a blessing in disguise that I was really thrown into having to learn to let things go, which is really hard for type A, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so hard to allow other people to do things and just recognizing that it doesn't have to be perfect because it can't be. You can't do it all and have it be like you can't get 100% on all the tests. So I learned that very 
early on and opening the business and having Caitlin all at the same time. Um, and that's really served me to get to this point where I've a- been able to open three studios and been able to have four children all at once because I've had to let the little things go. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, but that's so huge, right? Like I think that is one of the greatest acts all of us can do in our life is to learn the art of surrender. You know, it's, it's not what you envisioned. It's not what you wanted even, right? It's like right. you didn't actually have a choice. And it's kind of like what we're all going through right now. None of us have a choice that we are going through this. Totally. And I think it's a constant learning process because I still think back and I'm like, gosh, I wish that Caitlin had that time as a newborn to be fully with me. But you can't think that way because then I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have a business where I can have managers. Yes, that first year was hard. And like I had to build up the business while I also had my very first child. But if I didn't do all that, and you know, oftentimes it is what it is, and there are lessons in that, and you learn grit. But I wouldn't be where I am now to be able to live in Atlanta and be with my children and then also have three studios and to be able to have three managers. It took a long time to get there. And so now I'm able to give her more attention. And then, you know, having the au pair is great because then I have, I'm able to kind of separate my time during the day. So I still can focus on the business and not leave them kind of like hanging there without a mentor, without an owner that's fully involved. But I am able to have more time with the children. So we've gotten to a point where it does feel really balanced and that feels so good. But to get there, you got to go through those very challenging uphill battles sometimes. And what, I mean, that's so, it's so spot on because it's such, it's so apropos to everything that we are all feeling individually and collectively. What does, I I don't know why I want to ask this, but I just do. What is your worst day look like? (laughs) What is your like, what is your most, surprisingly like joyful day look like? And you can answer it however it comes to you. Yeah. So challenging days are typically when I'm not at my best. Of course, I think we all know how that feels where I just am not fully emotionally prepared for the day, whether it's because I'm PMSing or I've had like a difficult client issue emotional things bleed into other areas of my life and that never feels good. So, you know, an example is I had a difficult client issue where a client thought she had canceled a year ago and she did not cancel according to like our policies. We never had it like in writing as it's supposed to be. And so at this point, it's like $3,000. She wants to be refunded and I want to help her out. I want to be a good person because she hasn't taken classes. But to have all that come up at once is like, a strain emotionally and financially and just tough on the business. And obviously when these requests come in for clients, they're usually not happy, just mm-hmm. very unhappy. And to have that emotional energy coming at you, it's difficult. And this is something I've talked to my managers about is you have to put up a wall for all those emotions because you're kind of the catch-all for you know thousands of clients. And there are going to be days where people are upset with us for whatever reason, whether it's right or wrong. And they're going to come at us with this energy. And if you don't block it, you're going to take that on. Um, But oftentimes, the most difficult days for me are the ones where that bleeds into how I respond to my children. And that feels so terrible. You know, if I'm like busy and on my computer and trying to handle like fires at work, 
and especially now, like really all at home, you know, living in Atlanta, I always work from home, but I would go to like coffee shops and stuff. But when I'm trying to deal with these emotional issues and like these stressful issues and my children ask me questions and it comes back at them, the anger or like whatever emotions I'm feeling comes out on them versus somewhere else that, that always feels terrible. Yeah. Um, I, I know if I'm starting to be a little bit down or, you know, not thinking optimistically, it's usually because I haven't got up a sweat or worked out or had my time um, to focus on me. I'm always a better mom and a better wife and a better friend when I've taken that me time. And I feel like that's like huge in like teaching our kids that too, because I feel like as a mom, sometimes you just feel like you need to put a hundred percent on everyone else, but you're never going to be able to be the best that you can be for them unless you're taking that time for yourself. And then you can come back with even better energy. It's Uh, so true, Michelle. And it's so, isn't it interesting how it's so simple and yet so challenging all at the same time to do that? (laughs) Oh, you are such a light. And I just, I'm so grateful that people get to hear another perspective of, you know, and also just for all of us who are consumers of businesses, you know, to be more aware as well that there are human beings behind the computer, behind the emails, behind the phone calls, behind the front desk, you know, and it's, it, and having been a small business owner, you know, all the things that you experience exactly as you described it, Michelle, and, you know, it's, it's a beautiful gift because you do have to learn how to be a, you know, a stronger and a more connected version of yourself. So you have those boundaries and it's a beautiful growth and learning, but it doesn't mean that it's also not hard and that we all can't be a little more compassionate as we consume in the world. And as we have that, cause it's an, it's an interaction and it's an exchange, but it's also a relationship with another human. Totally. Wow. Well, you are a love. Thank you so much for taking time on Mother's Day. So much. Yeah. So good to connect with you. You too, babe. Give all of my love to those little beautiful babies. And thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot wait to continue to share the magic and all the vibes with you. Stay tuned as we travel around the world with this podcast, sending you distance Reiki and energy healing from incredible places, incredible lands, incredible humans all across the globe. You're coming with me wherever I go and I can't wait to share the journey with you. If you'd like more listening opportunities, head over to KelseyJPatel.com. And if you want to follow the day-to-day vibes, check out my Instagram at KelseyJPatel. Look forward to seeing you in the magic vibes again very soon.